So the next day, we started making preparations to leave. The preparations continued smoothly for several days. It was the end of August 2010, a quirky, moody time on Nantucket in any case, as it directly followed a violent hurricane. The freedmen's assembled the clothing and belongings they wanted out of the house. They called their real estate broker and cryptically announced that they would list the home for sale, but buy another one on the island. The broker didn't understand the logic because the doctor and his wife didn't immediately explain what had happened. But the broker was grateful for the business and accepted it. Then my wife and I were in the living room on our final day of packing. We were within minutes of removing our final pieces of luggage, and naturally something happened that both of us will never forget. Something more totally terrifying than I ever thought I would experience in my life. The meeting hall of the church was very still now. From the back, Tim Brooks surveyed the audience as he held on Dr. Friedman's words along with everyone else. Dr. and Mrs. Friedman were in the downstairs living area, the doctor recalled. Their children had been sent to stay with grandparents, so they knew themselves to be alone in the house. Then, in mid-afternoon, they froze. Very distinctly, they heard footsteps above them, right in the area upstairs where there had been two incidents. Richard, let's get out of here, right now, my wife Bonnie said to me. And maybe we should have. But I remember thinking and saying, No, if we leave, it might follow us. Whatever it wants, whatever it is, let's settle everything right here. On the stage near Reverend Osaro, Dr. Friedman sipped from a glass of water. Bonnie Friedman huddled beside him, Friedman said, and they stood riveted in place as the footsteps above them grew louder. The footfalls neared the central staircase at the front of the house, then slowly descended. They held their ground as one by one the footsteps came down the staircase, which they could not see from where they stood. The sound stopped a few steps from the bottom, held silent for a few seconds. Then came the rest of the way, three quick steps in succession. They arrived at the base of the steps with a thud. Mrs. Friedman gripped her husband. They were looking right at the spot where something should have been standing, but nothing that they could see was there. Whatever it was, the doctor said, it was toying with us. It was invisible, but it kept walking toward them. The footsteps continued across a bare floor. The sound was like heavy, old-fashioned shoes dragging slowly. The pace was deliberate and came straight toward them. Bonnie was beside herself. She was yelling at me, begging to leave. But still I had this fear. I was afraid this thing would follow us wherever we lived, wherever we went, if we didn't settle our business right there. The footfalls stopped. Still, the freedmen's couldn't see anything. But they felt. It was very palpable, Dr. Friedman said, like a change of air pressure in a room. It made us feel low and sickened. And somehow a thought was communicated to us. We shuddered, and we both felt it at the same instant. We were to turn around. No one said anything. We just both knew at the same time we were to turn there before them, the doctor said, was exactly the same vision their daughter Rachel had described. 
This was in broad daylight, and the figure looked very real. He looked like an old fisherman, the physician remembered, with a straggly beard, a misshapen, bloodied head as if he had died in some horrible accident, clunky boots, and a battered Macintosh. His eyes were horrible, Dr. Friedman recalled. Sickly white, something wrong with the pupils as well as the sockets. Dead eyes, that's what they were. They reminded me of a cadaver's. Dr. Friedman exhaled.